Thank y'all for giving me grace in that. Well, good morning in the name of the Lord. We are glad that you're here and welcome to Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday is important for us because it is a Sunday that celebrates when the Holy Spirit came upon the people of God in the New Testament. We know that Jesus was resurrected after a couple days and then he spent about 40 days on the earth where he walked around and then he ascended to the Father. And then a little while after that, the Holy Spirit came upon the people in Jerusalem and asked the Lord, obviously used that time to ask his people and so into his people to spread the gospel. So we're finishing up this series on looking forward in the sense of on Abraham. And so I wanted to show you today how I felt the Holy Spirit to the best I could understand him, how he's moving us in from Abraham into this movement of God in our lives. So if you have your Bible or phone, Genesis chapter 25, I just want to end with where God is going with Abraham and at the end of Abraham's life. So we've journeyed with Abraham all the way through, but now we're at the end of his life. And so I want us to look at something, a look at passage there in verses 6 through 11, Genesis 25, verses 6 through 11. The word of the Lord says this, but, the son, but to the sons of his concubines, Abraham gave gifts. And while he was still living, he sent them away from Isaac eastward to the east country. Now then check this out. Out of all the things that we've studied, all the things and the time that we've spent in the Lord with Abraham, it's kind of, for me, anticlimactic that God would take us in this whole journey from the end of Genesis 11 all the way through Genesis 25. It's rich with the life of Abraham, this God that made a covenant with a man based on faith. People try to focus on the Ten Commandments. I want to remind us today that Exodus comes after Genesis. We don't live by law, and we don't live by the Ten Commandments, though I'm glad that they're on some places within our federal government, though I'm glad that they're there because it teaches us how to live in community. But by no means do you and I come to God by Ten Commandments. By no means is there any way that we can bridge the gap of our sin problem by the Ten Commandments. There's no way that we can become Seventh-day Adventists and begin to practice part of the law by trying to worship on the Jewish Shabbat, which is Saturday, and by no means holding to all the law, which can't cleanse us. So here, for me, is this anticlimactic verse. Verse 7, these are the days of the years of Abraham's life, 175 years. And then look at verse 8, Abraham breathed his last, and then what's the Bible say, saints, come on. I didn't hear, what he, what'd he say, he what? Yeah, that's nice. Thank you, God. All that stuff. All that walking around, I mean, for 100 years, I didn't even have the son uh, uh, naturally for me and, and my wife, Sarah. I, I, you know, for 100 years, I've longed for this promise. And here it is. Here we see Abraham breathed his last and died in a good old age. An old man. 
and full of years and was gathered to his people. That's it. That's it. When you read this at face value, when I read this, I just went, are you kidding me, God? This is all you got? Like, that's the end of, like that's the end of well, that's the end of my high school career. That's the, uh, that's the end of my college career. Oh, that's the end of my job career. Or that's the end of me being a parent or whatever it might be. That's, you mean that's it? That's all it is? That's the end of it? Look what it says. Isaac and Ishmael, his sons, buried him in the cave of Machpelah in the field of Ephron, the son of Zohar, the Hittite, east of Mamre. Verse 10. The field that Abraham purchased from the Hittites, there Abraham was buried with Sarah, his wife. After the death of Abraham, God blessed Isaac, his son, and Isaac settled at Be'er Lahaoi Roy. That's it. So I begin to say, God, that's it? That's all, that's all you have for us? That's all you have after this great journey, this great Father Abraham and the songs that we sing about him and, and this leader, this patriarch of all of Scripture. That's it. That's all we got. And then I said, this can't be it. So I began to look and take out this verse, and I began to look at verse 8, and I said, there's got to be more to this. So I, I'm saying all this in Pentecost. You're saying, why are you saying all this, John? Check this out. Abraham breathed his last. You know, really, you know what that's translated in Hebrew? I just want to just say something today. That's translated, give up the ghost. Give up the ghost. Now, I'm not talking about ghostbusters. Some of you people just went straight there to the marshmallow man. But I'm talking about he gave up the ghost. Some of you grew up in a church where King James was the only type of Bible. And you probably, as soon as I said gave up the ghost, you probably, the Spirit of God spoke to you and said, hmm, I remember another verse where gave up the ghost. Matthew 27 50 says Jesus when he, I'm going to use King James, when he cried again with a loud voice yielded up the ghost. Did you know that scripture literally means this idea of ghost, this idea of ghost literally means to breathe out and expire. Now, some of you are saying, John, why are you talking about death? Because if you've ever been around people that die, and as pastors, you know we get around, be around people that die, you hear people give their last breath, and usually it's long. They're giving up the ghost. This is so, man, the Holy Spirit was just like pouring stuff in me. He was like, John, do you understand that when you exhale, when you breathe your last. That's the Spirit of God leaving the body because Paul said to be absent from the body is to be, is to be present with the Lord, which means I might not have breath on earth, but when I exhale my last breath, I will have breath in heaven so I can still praise. Come on, and you, know, you ain't hearing me. You ain't hearing me. I can still have breath to praise God because this body is not what God is looking for. He's looking for the spirit within you. So you breathe out. He gave up the ghost. He breathed. He exhaled. He gave up his breath 
to the one that gave him. If you know anything about Ezekiel, when that man was prophesying, that prophet of God was prophesying to the people in exile, and there was this vision of dead man's bones, and he spoke the word of God, and these bones came together with joints and sinners and stood tall, but there was this vast army for God, but there was no life in it until the Holy Spirit breathed into people. There is no life. I want you to know, without the Holy Spirit of God, we have no life in Jesus. But then I looked at this verse. I said, all right, well, that's pretty cool. So he, he, he gave him a long exhale, and he died, and his breath is back with you, Jesus, and, and he's praising you, which means you can still praise God outside of your body because your breath is what brings value to your life, not your physical properties that brings value to your life. So, man, you know, I get that. That's kind of cool and all this stuff. All right, that's nice, but then there's more to it than that because look what it says in verse 8. It says, Abraham breathed his last and died in a good old age, an old man, and then in the ESV it says, and full of years. That word full of years, do you know what that means to be full of years? It literally means in Hebrew to be satisfied. Abraham, are you hearing me today? Abraham died satisfied. Forgive my English. I ain't satisfied. Are you? I, I, I ain't satisfied. Look around. Look at all the empty seats. I ain't satisfied. Look at, look at, look at our lives. I'm not satisfied. Man, I don't want to go out. I don't want to go out until I've done everything I can to bring people in. I, I just can't, I cannot live the rest of my life looking at my life saying, I am building a retirement so I can go collect seashells. Here are my seashells, God, John Piper would say. Look what I collected for you. God's like, well, I've known about them for a long time. You know, my point is, I, I, are you satisfied? So, so am I, how can I be satisfied? At the end of all this, 100 years, he didn't even have a child of promise till he got Isaac. Sarah was only a mother till she died for 40 years. But they died satisfied because here's what's interesting. It's more important, it's more important to experience the promise of God than to receive the blessing from God. Because if I, receive, if I experience the promise of God, what fully satisfies me is not what I get on earth, but what I get in heaven, which is him. And I'm hungry. And I'm hungry now more than ever. And I don't know if y'all have noticed this, but I've been preaching different for the last probably year. Have y'all noticed that? I've told you this, but I'm going to tell you again. Uh, you know, some people accuse me of being charismatic. Accuse me of what you want. Some people have not liked the style that, that I've been preaching. But here's what I got convicted. When I was a football coach, I literally would come out of a game tired. How about you when you play? You, when you, when you, listen, I gave, I, gave, I gave a sport everything I have. How can I not give God everything I have up here? I better be exhausted when I come out of this place. So I'm just saying, yeah, and that's the Lord. 
So I'm saying today, how am I going to be satisfied? Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask him. Lord, we, just, we come to you today that there's no satisfaction that we can have in this world outside of Jesus Christ. So, Lord, I pray that I don't come with any wise and persuasive words. I, I don't pray that I come with anything that, that's, that's of me. I pray that I'll come with a demonstration and a spirit of power so that everyone in this room, they would, their, their faith would rest not on what I would say, but on what the Spirit of God does. So God, I'm begging you, who am I? Like the song says that a king would die for me. So Lord, I just come and I thank you that you've forgiven us, but we ask, Lord, that you, Lord, we acknowledge our sins. We ask for that forgiveness, even though you already have. We acknowledge that we stand apart from you without Jesus. So I'm asking you today, Lord, to speak, Lord, your servants are listening. We're your sheep. And we want to hear your voice. And we need the Spirit of God. So what happens next that we can be satisfied? What happens that we can bring glory and honor to you? I ask all this in the matchless name of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said what? Amen. So look at verse 8 there in 25. This is a springboard. This is a springboard where we're going. And Abraham breathed his last and died in a good old age. An old man and full of years. That means satisfied. He was satisfied with his life and was gathered to his people. At the end of his life, he was satisfied what God did with him. It was more what God could do with him than more what he could acclaim. He had riches. He had wealth. He had all kinds of fame. He was victorious as a, as a military guy. But at the end of the day, the only satisfaction he had was that God was with him. What's interesting to me is I, I checked that stuff out, and, it, and in Exodus chapter 35, it says this, and I apologize for not, not being on the sheet or on your notes on Facebook. In Exodus 35, 29, I just want to read this. I feel led uh, to share this. It says, and Isaac, his son, and Isaac breathed his last, and he died. And was gathered to his people. Now the verse before that says he was, he was 180 years. Gathered to his people, old and full of days. And Genesis 35, 29 says the exact same thing that Genesis 25, verse 8 says. It says what Genesis 25, 8 says about Abraham. Genesis 35, 29 says about Isaac. These people were finishing life satisfied with what God had done in their lives. Though they were sojourners, though they were aliens, though he was looking forward to a city with foundations whose architect and builder was God. Listen, there's got to be something in our life that's going to satisfy us because God is continually asking us to really press into something. So how can we be satisfied? There was a sermon jam. I, I told you I love sermon, sermon jams. There's this guy named Carter Conlon, and he was talking about this process in 2 Kings. And he was talking about Elijah, the great prophet in the Old Testament, and his successor, Elisha. And it hit me that that is the way to be satisfied. Let's look at, if you don't mind, 2 Kings chapter 2. There on your phone in your Bibles, whatever you got. If you don't have a Bible around, it's okay to cheat in, in, in church. 
you can look around and share whatever you got to do. 2 Kings chapter 2, let's start with verse 1. So how am I going to be satisfied? How am I going to be satisfied? If I could give you two keys, if I could just say two things today was this, would be this, that looking forward to Jesus or looking forward through the lens of Jesus, right? The Bible says we fix, in Hebrews, we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Listen, if looking forward in Jesus means never, if I'm going to be satisfied, it means I can never get away from his presence. Here's what I want us to press in today. Here's what I want us to press in today is that Right now, this whole looking forward season is over, and then I want to move into a, a series uh, coming up next week that I want to press in the summer called House Fires. Now, forgive me if you've been in a fire, but what I'm saying is House Fires means God changing. I want to look at some people that encountered Jesus or encountered the Father, encountered him in such a way that it changed everyone and everything around them. Because the way I look at this world, there's a lot of changing that needs to be done. Yeah, we better pray for London. But London won't be the last, will it? There's a lot of changing. Everybody wants change. But they don't want it to start with them. You know, we pray for revival. The old people used to say, Lord, I pray for revival. And let it start with me. Second Kings chapter 1. So if I'm going to look forward in Jesus, it means, listen, I want to tell you, if you ever want to be satisfied, if you ever want to be satisfied, the key to being satisfied, the key to being satisfied is to never get away from the presence of God. Second Kings chapter 2, Elijah's getting ready to take up the heaven in a chariot of fire. Are y'all ready for this? See, some of y'all, some of y'all moving from high school to college, some of you moving to your senior year, some of you moving into a, a new job, some of you are, it's a new academic year coming up, Lord willing. Some of you, it's a new uh, coaching staff. Some of you, it's a new team. Some of you, it's same old, same old. But here's what, what, what I know. Just because what's around me is the same doesn't mean that I gotta be. Now, I'm going to preface this. Are y'all ready? I don't know what God's going to do with me. You said, John, you leaving Summit? No, that's not what I said. But I'm going to tell you this. I can't preach this if I ain't going to live it. And so the Lord's been stirring in my heart. I am restless. I look around me. I can't. I'm, I, I can't I, I'm restless. I can't live my life by reports. I can't live my life. And I'm not saying I don't do them. I can't live, I can't live, I can't live like that. I don't want to die. I don't want to die and just say, I did a job. Man, I want to die saying I did something totally different for Jesus. So your wedding, man, look at y'all. You got married on Friday and you're here. You know why I love you? Everybody else, they ain't got time to worship Jesus because we're on a honeymoon. It's about us. Look what it says. They got married on Friday night, and they here. How many people you know do that? How many people you know get married don't even have a quiet time on a honeymoon? Come on. Come on. Why y'all getting quiet on me? 
Did I go from preaching to meddling? What did I do? Come on. I can't live like it. That cross that you put in that, David, that cross that you put on that beach, what was amazing, the story you told me when the tide came in and, and it washed it out and y'all ran out and got the cross and put it back up. You know that gave me a great illustration? People try to wash the Jesus out of me. Y'all didn't hear me. People try to wash. The tide comes in with all the pressure, and it comes in like a flood, right? It comes in like, like a flood. You, you ain't pretty enough, and you don't have a boyfriend going, you, you got this, and you don't have that, because you're comparing yourself to everybody else. Instead of comparing ourselves to what, who, what we don't have, what is, why, why don't we compare ourselves to who we do have? And so that when that cross was washed out and y'all ran out and got it and put it back in the ground, I thought about my life and I thought, you know what? That's just like my life. Man, all these worries and all this struggle and all this desire, man, Jesus wants to get just washed out of my life, just pushed out of my life. But you know what? It's the Spirit of God in me driving me to go get that cross and put my stick back in the ground. Because you know what chance from that beach was that cross. 2 Kings chapter 1, let me get into this. Listen, listen, the only way to be satisfied, here's key number one, two keys. The key number one, the only way to be satisfied is to never get away from Jesus' what? Starts with the letter P. That's right, presence. Oh Lord, help me get this thing right. Now when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha we're on their way from, what's the word, saints? Gilgal. Hey, hey, check this out. Gilgal is the place when, when Joshua came in. When Joshua and, the, and, 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 and when they came out, Moses died. And Joshua was taking them in the promised land. And the priests take the ark. They step into the Jordan River. The Jordan River separates. It's called like a, like a coded exodus, like they did in the Red Sea. It separated. And the people hurried, the Bible said, in haste. They hurried across because the priests, imagine if you're the dude carrying the ark, you're going to step into the flood because, the, by the way, the Bible says the Jordan was at flood stage. And you know you don't know how to swim in the Bible. Them people don't know how to swim. They don't know how to tread water. And you're going to be the first one carrying that big ark wrapped in gold. Bunch of heavenly creatures on top called carabine like this with the wings covering their faces and wings covering themselves and touching each other. And you're going to carry that big and you're on the front line. If it was your day to be on the front line, you know, you know what I'd say? I'm sick. I ate something bad last night. That goat tore me up. I can't be eating that. You know, whew, going right through me. <laughs> you be eating emodium because I ain't going in. You know, and so you think about it, because you're going to go in, you're going to go down. You got that big thing. Somebody had to be on the front, but the waters parted. And, and then the Bible says that they took stones out of the Jordan. At the, the, on dry ground, they take the stones out. They go to Gilgal. They make a circle of stones, 12 stones for the 12 tribes as an altar. They say, God did something. It's a setup. It's a setup. Circle of stones. Now when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha 
were on their way from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elijah, please stay here for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. Here's Gilgal. Here's the Jordan River. Here's Gilgal. Wherever, here's Bethel. And Elijah is testing Elisha. Stay. Stay. Stay in the place of Gilgal. The word Gilgal means to roll. It means to roll, like to roll away, to roll away. Uh, Joshua 4.20 says, And those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. Joshua 5.9 says, And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. And so the name of the place is called Gilgal to this day. The word Gilgal means to roll. And so Elijah says to Elisha, why don't you stay in the place that God rolled away your approach? So many people just want to stay in the place where Jesus rolled away our sins and don't want to walk in the victory of the name of Jesus. You know I'm talking. I do not. I am not satisfied. Don't sit around any longer. I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm sanctified. And you're French fried. You ain't got to worry about that. That means... People are going to burn. That's what I'm joking around. I, I'm tired of just, I'm right with God. I don't want to just be right with God. I want to walk with God. I'm tired of just saying, this is a place where my sins were rolled away. I want more than just my sins rolled away. I want the one who rolled them away. Then the Lord began to speak to me by the power of the Holy Spirit to the best I understand. And he said, John, think about, think about that place. Think about that place of Gilgal. He had a chance to either walk with the presence of God or stay in a place where there was a monument of God. I don't want to be a monument, Lord. I don't want to be a monument. I want to be a living tabernacle where you dwell. And I want to be like Abraham and I'll go where you go. Stay where you stay, Lord. But wherever you it is, I want to be with you. But see, you know what's interesting? They took those stones and those stones represent these rocks, represent a monument. And the Lord began to speak to me. He began to speak to me that, that God had put a rock in our lives called Jesus. That's how our sins are washed away. Our sins were rolled away. I, the shame of John Davis was taken away. The sin that brought my shame. You know, we sing that song, right? That bridge, elevation worship, right? My, my shame was great, but... Jesus is greater. I mean, my, my shame is rolled away because there was a rock who did something that I can't do and that God put that rock in my life and that he has become my rock. And it reminded me, the Spirit of God took me right to Matthew chapter 16. And he said, Jesus said to Peter, he said, and I tell you that you are Peter. You are the Greek word Petros, you are a little pebble. You are a little rock, like a stone that you would walk on in a road that's broken away. He says, 
And I tell you that you are Petros, you are Peter, you are Pebble, you are rock found along a pathway, one Greek lexicon would say, detached from the stone. He said, and I tell you you are Peter, this little pebble, and upon this rock I will build my what, saints? And the gates of Hades or hell will not prevail against us. Now he says, Peter is this Petros, this little stone. But upon this rock, this word rock is Petra. It means literally a rock that comes out like a cliff. I, John Davis, was a little stone that was broken away from that big Monmouth rock because of my sin. But because of Jesus, I was grafted back in to that rock. And upon the message of the gospel, the gates of hell can't stop the God in me. But can't live. Like I'm not attached to the rock. I can't, you know, big rocks aren't, big rocks aren't tossed by the waves. They break up the waves. Y'all with me? If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask that the Father gives it generously without finding fault. When he asks, let him not be double-minded. For that man is unstable. He's like the waves tossed to and fro. But when I have a rock, Jesus Christ, listen, Psalm 18, 2 says, the Lord is, is anybody with me? The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. And look what it says, it says it again. God is my rock. Psalm 18, 2, the Lord is my rock. Then he says it again, my fortress, my deliverer. God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I took my little broken self, or I should say God theologically correct. God rescued my little broken self, put me back into the rock, and now I run to the rock that is higher than I. And whatever wave comes, I'm above it. Because whatever is above my head is under his feet. Because the Bible says that all things are subjected to Jesus. That every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Psalm, excuse me, Philippians chapter 2, which was a hymn that the early church was singing just a couple years, three years after Jesus' death, four years after his death and resurrection, singing it in the church. There's a rock. So if I want to be satisfied, I can't get away from his presence. Watch this. This is so good, man. Lord, give me the wisdom. Gosh, I'm just, mm. you ever had so much from the Lord, but you just ain't got no time? That's where I'm at. Verse 1, now when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. And Elisha said to Elisha, please stay here. This is a test. Do you want to stay where Jesus became your rock? Or do you want to walk with him where he has to become your deliverer? Yeah, see, I, you and I can sit in this room and we can just say, I'm saved. Here we come to worship together. Listen, if I 
I want to be careful because it's being recorded. This is not Disney. Are y'all with me? When I mean Disney, I mean clean. And what I'm getting ready to say might provoke a um, grotesque image. But, But we're Summit, and since before Jesus, we were the ones standing on the bar throwing the fists of vodka at people and buying everybody rounds like I was, uh, I'm going to go that hard for Jesus. Okay, so there's, a, I saw a car uh, this week, and, and uh, on the back of the car, it had the fish, right, Ichthus, the, 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 the five letters uh, for, for Jesus, and each of those letters are an acronym for like son and savior and all that. And then on, on, on top of the fish, <laughs> this isn't Disney, people, uh, so close your ears if you need to. Uh, on top of the fish was the uh, emblem for evolution. You can get a picture of what I'm talking about. And at first when I saw it, it was like, them fighting words, right? They want to throw down. Let's do it. God, we won't call. Can I call some fire down? Can I do something like, not a big plague, just like zits that don't go away, boils type deal, you know, maybe, uh, you know, something good, you know, can you just show up in a big way? And then the Holy Spirit on my bed, see, that's when the Lord, I don't know about y'all, but I can get beat up on my bed. And when it's calm and still, it's like the Holy Spirit comes in and said, John, I didn't give you a spirit of fear but a power, and I'm like, yeah, let's bring the noise. That was an old public enemy. Y'all don't even know. Y'all don't even know those songs. But there's some people in here who know public enemy. Flavor, flavor. I just had a big clock. What if I had a big clock on me right now? Y'all be saying, John, it's time to go home. Um, <laughs> but, but what was interesting is in that whole process is he says, but he didn't give us the spirit of uh, fear but of power, and you were praying about that. What's the next thing he says? But of love. And I thought to myself, John, you got it all wrong. I got to love those people. And I was convicted I have not loved them. And so you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to get some food because food is next to Jesus in my book. But like sweets, you know, like all the things that y'all are against in life. That's why you're in sin. And um, like, like sugar and cakes and ice cream and cake and cake and uh you know cinnabon you know those things that are right in heaven they're on like the the line in heaven that you go by and you're like praise jesus with one hand and (laughs) glory and i'm gonna i'm just gonna like give them that you know just give it to them i'm not you know if i get a chance to create a conversation great i'm gonna ask god to do something but i'm not coming in love so i was convicted i'm not coming in love And so what happens is, do I want to just sit where Jesus becomes my rock or do I want to walk into a place where Jesus has got to be my deliverer? And God's going to call every one of us in a place where God's got to be our fortress because the strong tower won't be your job and the strong tower won't be your relationship and the strong tower won't be your kids and the strong tower won't be your future and the strong tower won't be the money in the bank and the strong tower won't be anything else but the name of Jesus because there'll be nothing else that can save John but Jesus Christ in that situation. So here's the test. And Elijah said to Elisha, verse 2, please stay. What, saints? 
Are you there? In, in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 2, and Elisha said to Elijah, please stay what? Here. But the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives. Come on, come on. God is alive, so I'm going to keep pressing where he's going. And, 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 and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. In other words, Elisha was the closest thing to God because of the anointing of God. And Elisha said, I can't get away from his presence because the only way for me to be satisfied in life is not just to stay in some place where things can go well. My, 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 my satisfaction comes from the one who can make all things well. So they went down to Bethel. Now they can go all the way across. They're moving, they're moving from across the Jordan to Gilgal where they came in, and now they're going to Bethel or house of God. You might remember, you might remember Jacob. Jacob puts a stone under his head and he dreams and he's got this picture of angels ascending and descending on this like ladder. And as he's moving towards uh, his mother's family, running from his brother who wants to kill him, Esau, and he has this dream. And there's this house of God. There's this open heaven in front of him. And so he moves to a place called the house of God. But guess what? It wasn't good enough. Mm, come on, somebody. It's not good enough to stay in the house of God. We got to. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets who were in Bethel, house of God, Bet El is really how it is. El for God. Bet is house in Hebrew. Came out to Elisha and said to him, do you know that today the Lord will take your master from uh, from over you. And he said, yes, I know. Shut up. No, he didn't say shut up. He said keep quiet. But that was just John's version because I just wanted to like put my flavor on it. Uh, keep quiet. In other words, I know I got you, bro. Like, peace out, Boy Scout. R.I.P. Ricky. You don't even know what movie that's from. Anybody? What movie is that from? What is it? A dog's what? Yeah, Secret Life of Pets. Great movie. Kevin Hart, sorry. Uh, and so he goes, verse 4. Elisha said to him, Elisha, please stay here for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. So some of us, instead, now we want to live in a salvation. He says, no, now you want to go live inside the church. You want to live inside where everything's safe. I can go to Bible study. I can go to uh, uh, corporate worship. I can go to uh, maybe do, do this or a little bit of that. I'm just going to stay real tight, real tight within the church of God. And it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough to stay in the house of God for Elisha. He had to be in the full presence of God. So he stays with Elijah. But God has sent me to Jericho. You know about the walls of Jericho. They came tumbling down, right? They marched around it seven times. They all shouted. Here go, boom, boom, right? The walls come down. But it, and so now let's just, stay, let's just stay with the miracle of God and the victory of God. Let's just live in the victory of God. So he says, but he said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. The sons of the prophets who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he answered, Yes, I know. Keep quiet. So now he's followed him from Gilgal, from the Jordan to Gilgal, to Gilgal to, to Jericho. And he's now, and every time Elisha is saying to Elisha, Stay, stay, stay. It's a test. It's a test. Do you really want the full presence of God? 
And Elisha is, yes, I'll not stay in just my salvation. I'll not just stay where the round, the, the safetyness of the people of God. Then Elijah said to him, please stay here for the Lord has sent me to the, to the Jordan. Wait, what? what? Wait, wait, I'm in Jordan to Gilgal, Gilgal to, to Bethel, Bethel to Jericho. And now back to the Jordan. Then Elijah said to him, please stay here for the Lord has sent me to Jordan. But he said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the sons of the prophets also went and stood at some distance from them as they both were standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah uh, took his cloak and rolled it up and struck the water. And the water was parted to the one side and to the other till the two of them could go over on dry crown. Do you hear what I'm saying today? And so now they are leaving the promised land. He takes his cloak called his mantle. Uh, sometimes it's sheepskin, goatskin. Uh, it, it, it was not only just a covering, but in, but in Israel thought and Israel life, it represented uh, uh, your, your anointing, your anointing, your identity in God. And he rolls it up and he touches the water. The same water that Joshua, where the, where the covenant of God stepped in, the ark, with the priests interceding. We're the priests, royal priests of believers. And, and all of a sudden, they, they cross on dry ground. Now they're going back into the wilderness, back into the place of wandering, back into the place of just wandering around, outside of the promise of God. And Elijah says to Elisha, you can stay over there. And he's like, no, I'm going. Now, I want to give you a side note. I don't even have enough time. But how many prophets kept coming to him and say, uh, that, that said to Elisha, your, 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 your master is going to leave you today. God's going to take him. How many prophets? Talk to me. How many? Fifty. If you look at 2 Kings chapter 1, you see Elisha when this, this not right king of Israel tries to come at him with 50 men, soldiers, and Elisha calls down fire from heaven and kills these 50. And all of a sudden, now you've got 50 prophets prophesying. It's this juxtaposition of judgment and life, but I don't have time to get into that. When Elisha crossed, verse 9, Elijah said to Elisha, ask what I shall do for you before I'm taken from you. He's in the land of wilderness. He's in a land where he doesn't know. This is, it says the other side in the Bible because that was the land that wasn't promised. That was the land that they, of wandering. That was the land where a lot of people got wiped out because of sin and a lack of faith in the Israelites when Moses brought them out of Egypt and they wandered around for 40 years. You remember the journey. It was, it's not a place where it's comfort. It's not a place. But see what happens when you get to the place where you're not comfortable and all you have is the anointing of God then God says, what do I need to do for you? And Elisha said, please let me, please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. Side note. Elisha did twice as many miracles in the Bible as Elijah. 
He said, verse 10, you have asked a hard thing, yet if you see me as I'm being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. And as they still went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire. Remember, the fire of God is the holiness of God. Revelation, it's a clear sea in front of the throne room. Read it. All it is is his holiness. Fire goes before him and consumes his foes on every side. Remember Psalm 97? And as the lightnings light up the world, the earth sees in trouble. So the holiness of God is the bright glory that we get. But for those who reject God, it is the fire of hell. That's why Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego could stand in the fire because they had the one whose fire was hotter, Jesus, who was with him. What did Nebuchadnezzar say? I see four people in there, but didn't we put three? Come on. You and I are going to walk on fires on this earth. And the only reason we don't get burned by people that hurt us and bad relationships and things go wrong is because there's a fire burning in here than greater than the one that's around us trying to hurt us. Oh, i got so much, Lord, I just don't have it. Um, so I'm just going to leave you with this one point. The key to being satisfied is never getting away from his presence. And I'll, here it is. And as they still went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and he cried, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. So Elijah said to Elisha, he said, if you see me taken to heaven, he said, then you will receive, then you will receive what you have asked, Jesus said, if I be high and lifted up, I'll draw all men to me. So whatever you ask in my, my name, you receive. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them in pieces. Verse 13. And he took the cloak of Elijah, the mantle. The, the sheepskin, the goatskin that represented the anointing of God. Check this out. Oh gosh, if I just had time. And he took up the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. So now he sees Elisha, excuse me, Elijah taken up to heaven. Elisha gets his cloak, his mantle. He takes that sheepskin, that cloak that represents the anointing of God. Listen, listen, if you want to be satisfied, if you want to be satisfied, never, never get away from the presence of God. And the last thing I want to tell you, if you want to be satisfied, walk in the anointing of God. Degrees without anointing equal nothing. But degrees with anointing or anointing that causes to get you degrees or fulfillment or whatever you're supposed to do or ministry, whatever your ministry is, if you, if you throw your life into what God has called you to do, there is a deep satisfaction that makes us sing, it is well with my soul. So I land the plane with this. If I had time, if I had time to tell you about missionaries, that didn't, that said, that, that cried out this next verse. Look at this. So he says to them in verse 13, and he took up the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood at the bank of the Jordan. 
Elisha has a choice. Do I stay in the wilderness where I got a promise or do I walk in the anointing of the promise? Today, are you going to stand on the bank of what God has called you to do or will you walk in what God has called you to do? But, but there's a cry. Verse 14. Then he took, you just, some of you just graduated school. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? You're going you're gonna to live out of your parents' faith or are you going to own it? Come on. You're going to own it? You're going to step into it and say it's mine and God is with me? Or are you just going to do what everybody else does, which is what you've always done? So if I'm around people that love Jesus, I act like Jesus. If I'm around people that don't love Jesus, I don't act like them. I just become what everybody else. I might as well be a shapeshifter. but we're on the edge of the wilderness. I think it was Oswald Smith says that Christians always talk about the second coming when half the world has never heard of the first one. You're going to stay in Bethel, in the house of God? You're going to stay in just the place of your salvation and say, I'm saved. You're right. You're saved. You'll go to heaven smelling just like fire, but it won't be the fire of God. You're right. Because you... Hebrews, you always save because you got one interceding for you that you can't break that chain. Are you going to go to a place where, where, where God, maybe I need you to just do a miracle and stay in a little Jericho and reminder of what happened in the past? But are you going to, you're going to stand on today, every one of us in this room, there's a bank, there's a Jordan in front of us, and, and something has to be said in verse 14. So here's how you land this, this plane. Here's how we land it, verse 14. Then he took the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water saying, where is the God, where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? I ask you today that the only way cross into the promise is to step into it and say where is the Lord the God of Elijah where is the Lord where is the Lord where are you Jesus step in step into me give me victory I can't walk I can't walk in your calling I can't walk in what you want me to do without your presence without your presence there will be no fruit where is the Lord where's the Lord You can either stay in the wilderness where there's death and barrenness, as Carter Conlon would say, or either you can walk in the promises of God. But every one of us are in the bank, and we have the anointing of the Holy Spirit. But where, where is the Lord? I can stay in a wilderness and try to make my own way. Go to school, make your own path. What is it you want to be? My goal is to make as much money as I can. Listen, if that's your goal, you will never be satisfied because take it from some people that have some life experiences. There will never be enough. And once you have what you wanted, you'll want something more. So some of you today, you're on the bank of a new era because you just graduated and it's Pentecost. And like, where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? Where is he? Somebody has got to roll up to take the anointing of God and touch what's in front of him so God can part the way. Look, then he took the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water saying, where's the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he had struck the water, the water was parted. 
the reason why we never see God part the water for us in circumstances is because we never take the anointing of God into those circumstances. Come on. I want your marriage. I told Isaac, oh, some of y'all going to walk out on me. You know I had people walk out on me at Summit years ago. I've been pastor now almost 20 years. Isaac, Isaac, Marcy got married. You wave to them so they can all see. So they get married, and I, and listen, and I claim this, and I'll claim it again, and if people get mad at me, uh, there's the door. People walked out on me. Four days old, my mother went to work. I was raised by an African-American woman, my twin sister and I. She was a mother to us. Bathed us, spanked us, beat us, tore me up. I deserved everything. With me all the time. Mother would leave. She wouldn't get home late. Raises. I mean, at her funeral, my twin sister and I were devastated. Raised by an African-American woman. And people look at me, yo, middle-aged white guy. And I want to say, don't judge a book by its cover. I took you to that wedding, did I not? Isaac and Marcy, and your family is there in the middle of the wedding. Oh, I said it because you know me. Yeah, you know me. You down with? Okay. Um, but uh, you know me. Um, my point is, as I said, this is the greatest testimony of the gospel. You have an African-American male and you have a white female. And it shows that love knows no color. It's the blood of Jesus. Some of you in this room need to start varying your dating life. What did I just say? Some of you need to broaden your spectrum. Read John Piper's book, Bloodlines. Look at Isaac's over there. Glory to Jesus. <laughs> Marcy, you know he's been looking at you this whole time. When I look at you, time stands still. I'm so in love. Big old defensive lineman just getting trucked by his wife, just run over. He's like, I ain't going to stop it. You know what I told him right before, I said, right before he got married, he's standing there and he had his back. She's getting ready to come down. You know, it was at the wedding on the beach. And I looked at him, I said, Isaac. And he's nervous. He's just doing this. You know, he's getting jacked up. He's like, you know, he, I mean, he's, he's fired up. Hands up. And they stay there. And they stay there. Um, <laughs> And so, and, and he's, uh, he's fired up. I said, Isaac, it's fourth and one. Now, he played a defensive line for those that don't know anything about football. It's your job to keep people out of the end zone that's scoring points. That's his job. That's what he's supposed to do. I said, Isaac, it's fourth and one at the one. You better not let him score. He said, it's too late. She doesn't truck me. <laughs> Am I lying? Is that not word for word? Tell the truth, shame the devil. And so I'm just telling you what. What I'm trying to say in all this is, is that if you step into the promises of God, their marriage, where's the God of Elijah? Where's the Lord? They're going to ask that over and over and over. And they can either stay in what God has done or they can walk in what God is doing. Your choice. But there's a Jordan you've got to be willing to cross. Step into your anointing. If your anointing is to teach, I'm sorry you're going to have more schooling. I hate it too. But I have some words from you. 
more on the Kevin and Shannon Chafin side. Toughen up. It's going to be okay. Because the Lord is with you. And he will deliver you. If God is calling you into something, whatever it might be, if he's calling you to persevere, take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow him. He is worth it. Where are you, Lord? When you step into the waters, you will ask, where are you, Lord? Stepping into marriage, stepping into a new area after graduate. Where are you, Lord? And I'm going to tell you right where he is. He's not even with you, just with you. He is already before you. But if you never step out, you'll never step in. Your choice. You ready for the invitation? Or are you scared? Today, are you satisfied? And if you're not, don't ever get out of his presence. Walk in his anointing, and I challenge you today. If you're physically capable and you feel led, I ask you to come down here and get on your knees or your face, and you say, God, I'm stepping into it, and I'm scared. Where are you? Just Yea, do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. I don't care about people's past hurts because I know a God who, who's a healer. And the more I focus on the healing, the more I don't complain about the hurt. The more I focus on my hip getting better, the, the less I figure about the pain. Where are you, Lord? Where are you? He's not just with you. He's gone before you. Father, that is my prayer right now in the name of Jesus. I don't have much to offer, but I want to pray right now, Lord, in the name of Jesus. I want to pray, where are you, Lord? Is there anybody in this room right now who just needs to come and kneel right now? Come on, we just get real, Lord. We get real. We at Summit. Summit, we're not fancy. We're not high cotton. We just straight up, Lord, collard greens, pinto beans. Woo, making me hungry, Lord. I'm just praying right now in the name of Jesus, Lord. Who in here needs to step into it and just say, Lord, I've been just living out in this wilderness. I got to step into the promise. Uh, yeah, in the wilderness, I can make my own way, and there's a trail of tears. I can make my own way in this relationship. I can make my own way in my family. I can make my own way in this job. I can make my way in, this, in school and where it may be. But God, I got to step into the promise. I got to cross the Jordan, and the only way I can get there is to cry out to the Lord, where are you, Lord? I am praying today. Is there anybody in this room that's not satisfied, that wants to be satisfied? I pray they'll come, and they you would send revival on us, Lord. God, I'm begging you. I'm begging you in the name of Jesus. Send, send something in us. Your spirit, where are you? Maybe some people in this room today feel just like you're so far gone. You're just, they're just out there, just drifting. Where are you, Lord? You are right here. There's an anointing. There's a mantle that's been thrown over us, and his name is Jesus, and we've been clothed in the robe of Jesus. We have been clothed in his righteousness, and we have the name of Jesus Christ over us, and if God is for us, who can be against us? In the name of Jesus, where are you, Lord? Where are you?
Where are you in a marriage? Where are you in a job? Where are you in my future? Where are you in my past? Where are you in my pain? Where are you in my joy? Where are you, Lord? You said, in your promise, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and mighty things. Calling upon you, Lord. Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? Where is the Lord, our Savior Jesus? Where is the Lord, the one who was resurrected from the dead? Where is the Lord? And you are close to the brokenhearted. A broken and contrite heart, oh God, you will not despise. Your word says, Lord, if there's someone in this room that is, doesn't know you, where are you, Lord? Speak to them. Tear down the walls that they can make their life right. Tear down the walls and expose the lies of Satan that everything's going to be all right. Lord, tear down the walls that there's only one who can change everything, and his name is Jesus. Open their eyes that there's a wilderness around them and yet there's a promised land before them. It's a life with Jesus, but it is a call to die, to step into the water so that their own life, their flesh may drown, so their spirit may live. God, please, call them into salvation right now. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Expose our hearts, Lord. Exposes. All they got to do, Lord, if they don't know you, is just say, Jesus, save me. That's it. But if they already say before they say it, because out of the mouth the heart speaks. But I pray that they would be wrecked in their hearts and know and believe and trust that Jesus died on the cross for their sins. And God, you rose him from the dead on the third day. And they will turn and follow you. That's called repentance. Lord, where is the Lord in this, in this room? Where are you, Lord? Where are you, Lord? I don't want to feel distant anymore. And I don't want to, because of this distance, look for something else to satisfy me. I just want Jesus. Just want Jesus. So I come to him through the cross, to the empty tomb. And so now my eyes look into the resurrection. Where are you, Lord? Where are you? Does anybody need to say that today, Lord? Anybody? Anybody? Behold, I stand at the door and knock, Jesus said. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. He's knocking. Will we take your anointing and touch what's in front of us and walk in?